Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Welcome back to the Dear Prudence Show. I'm your host, Dear Prudence, also known as Mallory Orberg. If you were wondering, is Mallory back this week? The answer is no. Once again, you have been duped. This is the greatest hits. We're running some of our favorites, some of the most controversial, some of the most surprising, some of the ones about haunted dolls letters we have received in the last calendar year. So you're going to get a healthy heaping of advice from Dear Prudence but it's not going to be given by me right now because I'm not really here. Maybe you'll see me next week. Maybe we're just going to keep doing this. Would you please read our next letter? Yes. Subject line, cold feet. Dear Prudence, My fiancé and I have been together for seven years now and engaged for the past five. And every time we try to move forward with the wedding, something happens and we postpone it for a later date. I should note that I don't live with him, nor do I have a copy of his house key. He doesn't want me to have one for some weird reason, and I respected his wishes and stopped asking for one. In fact, every time I'm about to move in with him the month or two before we're supposed to get married, something happens. The first time, he was moving and didn't want to get married in transit. The second time, he let his friend, who was going through a divorce, live with him for two months, so we had to postpone again. Then his father died, and then he moved again to be closer to his mother, and then he took in another friend who needed a place to stay. This keeps happening, and the latest postponement came at a time when I needed to renew my lease, but wasn't sure if I was moving in with him or not. I don't have an issue with him helping his friends. What I have an issue with is that he talks about how since we're going to get married, that we're a team, but he only gave me a heads up on them moving in after the fact. I never got to have a discussion with him about how this might affect our relationship and plans. Our wedding that was supposed to be in October has been canceled and he didn't seem to even care. And overall, he seems to have an attitude towards me. It's like he's got tunnel vision because it's his friends and forget any plans or promises made with me. I'm getting tired of having to put our plans on hold because he's got to play the knight in shining armor. Sometimes I feel like I'm being too sensitive about all this, but the few family and friends that I've told about this have all said I'm not wrong for being upset. They don't think he wants to get married. And honestly, I'm starting to think so, too. I'm tempted to just call everything off the engagement and relationship, but I feel stuck due to our long history and I don't know what to do. Any advice? Lindy, I just want you to know that originally this letter was roughly three times longer than this. Um, <laughs> wow. With just like further detail on how many times this dude has called off their wedding. Right. Uh, I mean, I, don't get married, obviously. I mean, I honestly don't know that she could get married. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. I don't know that getting married to this guy is an option. Right. But what is, I mean, what is their relationship? I mean, there's nothing, you know, usually it seems like when people are conflicted about, um, you know, not wanting to break up, mm-hmm. they list some things that they like about the person. Right. This does not have you that. Know, that was not something that I edited out, by the way. There was never any of that in here. 
there's just nothing. You know, just oh well, we've we put in we put in seven years, so I guess we should stick with it. Yep, which well, is not. And I think that's what it is, right? Like the only thing that the letter writer mentions is towards the end is I feel stuck due to our long history. Um, just don't is is my advice. Don't feel stuck because of that. Like that is the sunk cost fallacy. And I yeah. understand it's a little dismissive to say, like, just stop feeling that way and make a decision. But like, you know, you just wrote an incredibly long letter to an advice columnist, basically giving a list of reasons why you think this guy doesn't want to marry you. And I agree with you. He doesn't want to marry you. He does want to keep putting it off indefinitely. He will continue to prioritize everyone else in his life before you. This is not a series of accidents. These are a series of choices. He doesn't want to marry you. Um, the long history between the two of you uh, is not an incentive to stay. It is a millstone that will keep you from moving in a direction that actually makes you happy. Um, so if you want, you can stick with this guy for as long as he's willing to jerk you around. I'm sure he would be willing to pretend to want to set a wedding date a couple more times um, and then invite a bunch of other people to move in with him instead. Um, but getting married to him is not an option. You can either keep getting rejected by him while you're with him or you can say, I'm done here. I have sufficient information to know that even if we got married tomorrow, I would not feel like I was marrying someone who was excited about me. Um, you got to walk away. Yeah. Generally, you know, if you can, if you're putting up, if you're even entertaining these two choices, like, should we get married or should we break up? You should break up. Right. I mean, <laughs> if, if that's even on the table, do not marry that person. Right. Um and also, you know, like, even if this was all innocent, like, which it's not, but say, imagine that he really does desperately want to get married, uh, but things keep getting in the way. There's going to be things for the rest of your lives. You know, parents die. Friends get divorced. People need help. Um, and if if you're a couple uh, and and you are a team, you go through those things together. They mm -hmm. don't they don't interrupt your your relationship they don't get you know it's there's that's never going to go away there's never going to be a time when you don't have any um any distractions or any interruptions in your life life's only going to get more complicated and you only get to live one time and this sounds miserable he has an attitude with you <laughs> I for mean, wanting my, to marry him my god uh run don't walk away from this horrible person yeah i want you and the woman whose boyfriend shrieks in horror whenever someone has a period near him um to just go on like a long thelma and louise style road trip oh my god seriously that's what i want for you but yeah no this is incredibly clear cut um you're not really in a relationship at all and i think you should go ahead and acknowledge that and say i'm done um I think that that is the only way that you are going to ever possibly be in a relationship that makes you happy. Um, and don't let the length of your previous relationship convince you to, like, throw more time into it. You'll just lose more time. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. And she's going to feel so good when she's away from him, you know? Oh. I'm and she's so gonna excited realize, like, for her. Oh, right. Like, forward momentum in a relationship isn't weird and impossible. And I don't have to like accommodate someone else's like sudden wild changes in strategy constantly. Like it's not that hard to get married. You know what I mean? Like it can be hard to no. plan a wedding. There can be a lot, but like people 
dumber and worse than you, letter writer, get married all the time. Um, <laughs> it's not hard to get married if you have two people who really want to marry each other. Um, if what you have is one person who wants to get married and one other person who is, for whatever reason, happy with the status quo, um, it will seem like, oh, it's just so hard. Life's so dramatic. These things keep getting in the way. And it's like, no, it's not. People get married in prison. People get married at sea. People get married in the midst of, like, painful diagnoses and when their family members are dying. And during times of war, it is not hard to get married if both people want to get married. Nope. So, there's a, this letter, um, the subject is intrusive questions in casual conversation. Um, so, dear Prudence, I moved to an English-speaking country full of friendly people. When asked, I am happy to disclose that I'm from the Indian subcontinent. I often get strange comments or questions as a follow-up. I can usually deal with well-intentioned comments expressing surprise at how quote-unquote good my English is, but a weird and intrusive follow-up question I've gotten a few times now is, oh, you don't look dark enough to be from there. Were one of your parents white or something? I'm usually left speechless since I'm not used to casual questions about the skin colour of one's parents being a topic of conversation among strangers. What is a polite way to respond to this while making it clear that it's not an appropriate question to ask a relative stranger? Oh, God. Incredible. People are trash. Incredible. God. Do you think it's necessary to be polite in response to a question like that? No, I do not. But I believe very much in radical unfriendliness. Um, and I think this is a prime time to bring that forth. Just kind of lean into them kind of semi-menacingly and just say, why don't you fuck off? Now, of course, you can't say that. And it helps that I have a British accent, which is pleasing to many American ears. So It does confuse us. It does. It, I can Listen, that's the one takeaway from all the reporting I've done in this country is that if you say it with a smile and a charming British accent, you can say the most offensive things. So you're halfway home, and I and then I just think <laughs> I think she told me to fuck myself. Exactly, it's kind of I I do believe she chose some excellent words, and I was seduced. Um, I just think there are times when you have to kind of rein in the urge to kind of go off, and this doesn't feel like one of them. Now, this is a personal thing. Um, I have obviously my name is Bim Adewunmi. It's a Nigerian name. It's a Yoruba name, and I have had people compliment me on how well I speak English before. To which I always reply, well, that's lucky because I was born and raised in England and also I'm a journalist. Um, but I think, I, I, I don't think you have to be polite when you are telling people that that is an inappropriate question because they haven't done you the courtesy of being polite by asking such a fucking stupid question to begin with. Um, so I always just kind of, I smile very, um, a very tight smile, you know, and I just kind of go, what do you mean? And then allow them to say the question a second time so they can hear how ridiculous it is. And if they say it again, I go, I'm sorry, I don't understand. What do you mean? Say, explain it to me like I'm six. And then over and over until you break down quite how foolish their question is and it becomes apparent to them. That's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Letter writer, you have both of our full permission to be as impolite as you like in response to such a question. Um, if it is not your desire to prolong the conversation or if you are mostly looking for the quickest way to get out of it, that is also fine. If if you mm. don't want to get into it, you don't have to. That's true. Um, 
a, a great thing that I, I, this is not original to me. I have heard this from other people giving advice uh, is just just something as simple as like a pause and then you must be so embarrassed to have said that. <laughs> also very good. Yes, that's good. That's very, yeah, very which good. Is, very polite. It is. Um, you know, it's not you're not cursing them out. Um, you are being very clear that they have committed a social like faux pas, which is true. And sometimes it is as it is the politest thing you can do mm. to point out to someone they have just stepped in it. Mm. Um, mm. So mm. to just say something like now that you've had a second to think about it. I'm sure you're embarrassed that you asked that question. Let's move on. Mm, mm. Um, that makes it clear you're not going to indulge that line of thinking, right. but that also doesn't open you up for a sort of back and forth. If that's, if that's all true. you want, I think I think yours is fabulous and would be wonderful if you were sort of like, hey, I have a few minutes. I'm willing to try to get someone to reexamine some of their absurd premises, which is that mm. like one of the largest subcontinents in the world apparently doesn't contain within it a wide variety of possible like phenotypes. Right. I mean, I've had that. I've yeah. had someone say to me once when they basically they started off by doing that thing that everyone loves, where they try to guess <laughs> what my parentage was, and then after getting it wrong like two or three times, um, I said, "Okay, uh, N- N- Nigeria," and he was like, "Yep, knew it. You've got the you've got the you've got the West African face shape," and I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> you don't get wow. to yeah." I was taken aback, like literally, you know, people use that expression. I was taken yeah, aback, yeah. but I was actually taken aback. I think I think my my hand th- kind of went to my throat in a very dramatic pearl clutching fashion. Like, are you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are you serious? And he said this with like a completely blank look on his face. Like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, guessed it, knew it. And I looked at because yeah. he wasn't my friend. He was a friend of a friend. And I looked at my friend as if to say, why am I here? Why is this man here? And if I stabbed him. Would you call the cops? Because I was so incensed, but I was also just kind of like I was dumbfounded. I, my mouth just wouldn't make sounds. I just could only do like increasingly panic looks with my eyes. Just kind of right. like, what is and, this? And there's there's already the sort of like there's the separate category of dumb shit mm. um, that a lot of people say, not realizing that the person they're saying it to hears it all the time. Right. Right. Um, that depending on your personal level of politeness in, in the situation, you might be willing to overlook, which in this case, like this letter writer is kind of saying like, yes, a lot of people seem to think uh, that commenting on my English is like information I didn't already have. Right. So like that's already dumb to begin with. Right. Like everyone who is speaking a language on purpose is probably reasonably aware of their own facility with that language. Right. Right. Like you and I are currently speaking fluently in English at one another. Neither one of us is surprised that that's happening because we both know that <laughs> we speak English quite fluently. I mean, that was a social um, contract, yes. We yeah, both so we came no one, into this knowing we were, we were both going to be speaking English. Yeah, no one's, no one's going to... If you say to anyone, wow, your English is really good, that's not news. Like, they're not going to be like, wow, is it? I, I, I had no idea. Here, I thought that you and I were speaking like Farsi or or binary to one another. Like, right. they know. So, again, it's one of those things like telling someone they're tall that, <laughs> like, they know, they hear that a lot. Right. You don't need to say anything about it. Right. But this, this is definitely not in that category. This is, like, uh, completely idiotic, mm. rude, Way personal. It violates sort of all the normal first conversation rules we have. Right. So there is no need to be polite to this. There is no need to explain to someone. Everyone knows 
that, right? Like we all know you don't bring up the topic of somebody else's parents' skin color on right. the first conversation, especially in the sense of like, uh, I, I I don't believe this skin color could exist right. in India. Like right. that's just... Um, it's also kind of like co-opting your... Like you said, like I know who my parents are. I know what my family lineage is. I know all of this. So you, a stranger, telling me, oh, I you don't look dark enough. Like, are you... Huh? It's just... And it's like, one of the biggest countries in the world. I mean, right. again, like there's so many ways in which it is a dumb, terrible thing to right. say. But like, but also it's like stupid. Really, it just betrays. Yeah. It betrays like a, a weird centralizing of your knowledge and your or what you think is your knowledge. And so, if someone even slightly deviates from what you assume in your tiny, tiny brain, you know, to be as you know, that's the correct thing. Then it just kind of sets off a series of you know explosions in your tiny brain. And so you have to articulate yeah. that by going, "You don't look dark enough." And it's just like shut your whole mouth, your entire it's also mouth. Like if this was famously a line that like. Michael Scott said on the American version of The Office. And sure. like, if you're at that level, it's not, it, it's not a, like he, he he's meeting Rashida Jones and he says, like, the first thing he says to her is, wow, you're so exotic looking. Was Aww. your dad a GI? And everyone <laughs> on screen, like their jaws drop. So like when someone is at that level, um, you can be polite. That's very great. But you can absolutely just say something like, what an invasive, personal, stupid question. Yes. Um, I'm not going to answer that. Why would you ask me that? Any anything along those lines? Feel free to be. I mean, I, I don't don't like slap them in the face and, and no. call them names. And but this, like, short of that, you don't have to worry about. Being you polite. don't. I mean, the question that she said specifically was, "What is a polite way to respond to this while making it clear?" And that's why I I chose the option of asking them, "What do you yes. mean? What do you yes, mean?" Yes, because that is very polite. It is. It's kind of like no, no, no. You know, and you do this with like just like you know a, a very blank smile what do you mean and you look fake interested like oh i really want to know what you were thinking so what do you mean and if you say that with like you know where you can hear a smile in someone's voice i always think if you can if you can hear the smile what do you mean and then you can see just how ridiculous and you do it with wide right. eyes like you know puss in boots just the biggest eyes you can get. what do you what do you yeah. mean <laughs> It will knock out, you know, 90 percent of the people who ask that question, they will get flustered and embarrassed. That's the hope. There will be at least 10 percent who will absolutely double down. Right. They will further elaborate. And those people, again, if if, if that comes up, feel free to say, I'm not going to speak to you anymore. Good day. And then go get an hors d'oeuvre or something. Right. And that's still polite. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, you get the freedom to really like move in a lot of different directions here because they have so seriously flouted the rules of like social engagement. True. Jamie, would you do us the honor of reading this very last letter? Yes, I will. All right. My older brother died just before he left for college. His death shattered my parents' already fracturing marriage. My dad left, and my mother got remarried within six months to a guy she met in her support group. He was a nice guy and had a son my age, Jonas. I only survived my last two years of high school because of him. We both were isolated and grieving. His mom was unbalanced, and we basically bonded. During that time, I called him my stepbrother. Flash forward 12 years, we have survived college, numerous breakups, and our parents divorcing. Jonas hasn't technically been my stepbrother for two years, but we still refer to each other as family. He is my confidant and best friend, and last week he kissed me, and I kissed him back. This is new and exciting and terrifying to me, 
I am attracted to him, and I can honestly say I love him, but I have a bone-deep terror of screwing this up and losing him. Not to mention what we are going to tell everyone, especially our parents. I know Jonas is scared, too, and we haven't really talked about the kisses. What do we do? Wait, I need so many more details. What happened when you guys were kissing? What were you talking about? Like, where were you? <sighs> what happened? I need more information. I, I don't need more information. You're good? You're ready to go? <laughs> well, I feel like they went through some, like, crazy stuff together, and so they've got some, like, twisted-up emotions. And I, I'm not saying, like, no, this is not a thing you can have, but, like, it's definitely something I think that should start with with some pretty severe therapy. Right. Yeah, um, uh, just therapy's because always Because of how good. it all started, the brother, it was the brother's death, the parents' divorce— you know, end of high school. The whole thing seems like there's so much wrapped up into this situation besides just pure, like, he was my stepbrother and we happen to be attracted to each other. Like, there's a lot here. For sure. Um, and, and I do want to say, I think, like, in general, it is good not to try to date or sleep with somebody who's a part of your family in a significant ongoing way. Not right. just because, like, objectively, I think incest is squicky, but also because it adds a really difficult element into a relationship that's generally supposed to be lifelong. Because the potential for it going wrong are so bad. Like, Jonas is a sibling to you in a lot of ways. Like, I know you met, it sounds like you were about 16 when you met. It's not like you guys grew up together. You only lived in the same house for maybe a couple of years. Um, so I, I understand this is not the same situation as like somebody you were raised with where it would be a lot more like shocking and upsetting for people to find out. Like I understand ways in which in some ways you guys were young adults who were thrown together um, and now you're no longer, uh, you know, related through marriage. Um, but like you've also known him since you were a teenager. Um, your parents were married for a decade in, in a lot of ways, even though your parents are no longer together and you're not necessarily going to run into each other at a family reunion. Um, the sort of un the, the way the world understands your guys's relationship is, oh, you're step siblings and you're close and you're, you're going to see one another often. And if you guys date and it doesn't work out uh, and most dating relationships don't work out until one does, um, the potential fallout here would be really sad. So I think, you know, I don't often tell people to be ruled by fear, but if you're afraid of screwing this up and losing him, then I think you should put that as a point in the category of yeah. don't kiss Jonas again. Um, yeah, I think that's the most important thing here is that, like, you you love him on a level of you don't want to lose him. And, um, yeah, if this goes further, it, it's there's a much higher chance of that happening, I think. Right. Especially because like you guys are both in your what, like late 20s, early 30s, and you kissed a week ago and you haven't talked about it yet. And I, I do understand part of that might be because this feels really confusing and really intense and really big. But it's also, you know, that's not great. Like you guys should, you know, I, I think there are a lot of situations where we wish we didn't have to talk about it. But that kind of means we do. Like this is a situation that's so complicated. It would require varsity level talking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of it yeah, as you, well. You're going to have to letter in talking. Um, and so the fact that you guys haven't been able to do that is not a great sign for a potential romantic future together. But I, 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 like putting that aside, what do I do right now? Go see a therapist. This is a lot. 
This is a lot. Even if you've, you may have, you know, you were already, it sounds like your mom was in a support group. I'm sure you saw a therapist at some point dealing with your brother's death. But like, go back, especially because you've got this big thing on the horizon. Go back and specifically say, I want to talk to you, therapist, about my step, my ex-step sibling, Jonas, who I recently kissed. And I promise you, your therapist will be like, wow, that's big. Yes, let's do address that. And that will be helpful to you. Um, And talk to Jonas and talk about, you know, why did you kiss me? Um, what were you thinking? What am I thinking? What are you afraid of? What am I afraid of? Um, what do we think that it means? Um, do we think it's a good idea? Do we think there's a good basis for a relationship here? And to really pay attention to your doubts and concerns, because there's going to be a lot. And um, you two may decide that it is better to acknowledge that you did experience an attraction to one another, but that any romantic relationship has the potential to ruin the sibling relationship that you have and isn't worth it. You guys might decide to to go for it, and I, I don't know that that would be a great idea, but it would be definitely better to do that after a lot of talking with the sort of understanding of this has the potential to go really, really pear-shaped. Um, whatever yeah. you do, you got to call. You say, we haven't really talked about it. What do we do? Talk about it right now. Give Jonas a call. Um, maybe yeah, maybe call agree. the therapist first, but you you have to talk about it because pretty much no great lifelong romance starts with... 12 years after our parents got married, my stepbrother and I kissed. We kind of never talked about it and everything just sort of worked out. <laughs> I like, I promise you that's not going to be how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. And ah, just, I, I just really want to put a, a vote in for the category of don't date each other. I mean, that's, that's definitely my vote too. Um, or at least give it a decade. Like, yeah. I'm at, like, no dating or you need to give this, like, a decade or two, like, right. 20 years really maybe. give it when, a try when you, with somebody else. When you no longer call each other family, like, because that line, that line right there is kind of the answer. Like, we still refer to each other as family. Right. And that's where it's, like, crossing that. Like, you're not weird step-siblings. You're family. Right. Um, yeah, so you, see a therapist and talk to each other. If you want to keep someone as a part of your family, you probably shouldn't date them, I think, is a good rule in general speaking. Um but good luck and talk a lot to that therapist. Talk a lot to Jonas. Um, talk talk more than you want to. Talk too much. <laughs> talk all the time. This is a problem that requires a lot of talking. It, to specific people, maybe don't bring this up with your mother yet. Um, like that's because uh, you mentioned too, like I'm worried what we're going to tell everyone, especially our parents. Like you're already thinking of how are we going to talk to our parents about this, but you haven't talked to each other. That's not yeah. a good sign. That's not a good sign. I'm worried for you. Good luck. Please update us. I, even even more than the one with the pretend dead dog. I need an update. Yeah, I really want an update on this one for sure. If we ever this get updates on either of these, I will bring you back on the show and we will All just right, celebrate. Do. I have saved my favorite letter for last. And I want you to read it. And I'm so excited. I... <laughs> I'm going to stop prefacing this. Just go for it. The subject is evil toys. This is going to sound like a silly problem, but it's really starting to wear on me. My wife has always been a do-it-yourselfer. She likes taking on projects. It's usually great. We've saved tons of money on contractors over the years. She paints. She files. There's even a little plumbing. Last fall, we had a little girl. She's happy and healthy. My wife, like many first-time parents, went a little overboard into the natural parenting. She makes all of our daughter's baby food and clothes. 
everything is organic and ethically sourced. I'm not really sure what that means. This seems to be exhausting, but she never complains and it seems important to her. The issue is the toys. My wife is convinced that every children's toy comes from China, is made in a sweatshop by child laborers, and is covered in lead paint. She will not let our daughter play with any store-bought toys. Not wanting to deprive her of toys, she has started making them. We've got a set of handmade blocks, a handful of stuffed animals, and a plush doll. It's the doll that's the issue. Our daughter loves it, but it's the creepiest thing I've ever seen. My wife, in her exhausted state, did not do the best job with its face, and it looks a little, well, homicidal. We co-sleep, and I spend many a wakeful night with that creepy thing staring at me. My daughter loves it, and my wife is beyond exhausted, so I can't even gently mention anything critical to her. What do I do? First of all, you send us a picture of the doll. Yeah, that's true. How dare you write us this letter, this descriptive, unsettling letter, and not include a picture of what this face is that you're staring at every night as you try to sleep in your exhausting, miserable home? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, all dolls are, like, they have the potential to look homicidal, you know? Or, like, yeah. They, none of them... Mm, they're all They've a got little pretend unnerving. faces on them, right? Like yeah. the whole like, oh, some dolls are creepy and some dolls aren't. All dolls are creepy. They are. All of them are creepy. Yeah. So saying that this one's like overtly creepy is it's a little bothersome. Yeah, Jasmine, do you um do you think the doll is the issue? I do. I blame the doll. You you think the doll's the only problem? If they could get rid of the doll, everything would be square. No, I think he needs to sit down because if your wife's like making toys and grinding up baby food, like just deal with it. Like, okay, you don't like this doll that she labored over and like drew a face on. You're, I think he's outvoted in this instance. Like, your wife likes the doll, your daughter likes the doll. You just have to like get out of your feelings, sir. Yeah, I mean, like. I just want to, like, pull out a couple of points from the last paragraph, which is my wife is exhausted. I can't sleep at night. Uh, I can't say anything critical to my wife. That's your problem. Right. Not the damn doll. The problem is that your wife has, like, signed up to become super parent and is pouring all of her energy into it to the point where you feel like you cannot say you can't speak to her. Because mm-hmm. she will, I don't know, fall apart or withdraw or, you know, climb up on the cross. Yeah. Um, that's the problem. And and I always find these questions really tough. Like, it's one thing when one parent is, like, slacking off and the other parent writes in and they're just like, my partner doesn't help out around the house and I'm exhausted. And I'm like, oh, great. Like, I can offer you tools because you can, like, make demands and stop doing stuff. But it's always hard when somebody writes in and says, my other partner seems miserable, but they insist that they're happy, like, taking on 50 jobs at once and they won't let go of any of it. And I'm always like, oh, that's so much harder to convince someone else that they're exhausted and miserable and doing too much when they're like, nope, totally worth it. I never want my daughter to touch a broccoli that has not first been hand blended by me. Right. Yeah, it's admirable. But I really want to see the doll. And then part of me does think that if this were a horror movie, he would be the parent that knew you know what I mean? Like he knew that the doll 
was off. Did you ever see Annabelle? Because there was literally a movie about. Yes, I saw it too. Yeah. And it was so great. There were so many moments where I was screaming at the screen like, why did you leave the doll in that room? Yeah. So I feel like I want to give him horror movie advice, kind of. Like once one person starts to detect something, you need to get rid of the doll. But. Oh, my God. <sighs> Start, like, moving it and putting it in weird places in the house so that you can convince your wife that it's also haunted? Yeah. Or it may no, be. Wrong. We don't know that it isn't, I, I definitely want to encourage this letter to writer to watch the movie Annabelle with his wife. Yeah. And then also, like, all of the progenitors of Annabelle, like Chucky, Child's Play. Oh, my God. I forgot about Dolly. Child's Did you ever see yes. Dolly Dearest? No, I saw Mannequin, but I've never seen Dolly Dearest. Oh, Tell my God. everything about Dolly it. Dolly Dearest was, like the female doll corollary <gasps> to Chucky. Oh my God. Yeah. You it's have to watch the trailer. It is. And she has like this weird, creepy dress, but there's like a legion of them. Oh my God. Yeah. Dolly dearest child's play um, for good measure, paranormal activity. Oh and yeah. 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 Um, also there was another one with dolls, wasn't it? Um, Insidious. Yeah. I, I mean, We've got some great movie recommendations for you. I would also add to that list the Brave Little Toaster. It's not quite toys, but they're all like sentient, inanimate objects in a way that I found really upsetting as a child. And there's a couple of scenes that are really terrifying. Really? Um, Yeah. Oh, God. It's like this kid has this cabin, this summer cabin he visits all the time. And he has a couple of like possessions that are obsessed with him. And it's a toaster, a lamp, a clock radio, a blanket, And a vacuum cleaner. And, like, the kid's family eventually sells the cabin and they move to the city. And the, like, the objects are so obsessed with being returned to their master uh, that they decide to, like, journey to the city. And, like, the first thing that happens is this, like, very upsetting air conditioner dies in front of them. Like, just, like, in this very, again, like, it has, like, a heart attack and dies. And they're all just distressed. And then they have to go find him. And, like, in the end, he's, like, happily reunited with his like private property it's a it's a a lot of weird messages for children um namely that like property can love you um and that everything is dying around you and trying to murder you and uh it's a lot but i think you should watch it yeah can i say that as a child i thought all of my toys were i didn't necessarily think they were trying to harm me but i definitely thought they were alive like i definitely thought that they had a life that they like resumed as soon as I turned my back. So I was constantly in this process of like trying to catch them. Yes. Yeah. So I was no, like, I think that's universal. I think that's why the Toy Story movies are so popular. And I, I think there was also, at least on my end, also like not not quite a fear of them, but like a healthy fear in the sense that like they need to be placated. Yeah. Like if I, I, I had like a rotating system whereby certain stuffed animals would get rotated out onto my bed to sleep with at night me and the rest too. would go in the closet. And oh I God, felt like too. if one of them spent too many nights in the closet, it would get upset. Yeah. Same. I definitely harbored that for all my stuffed animals. Like it would be like, okay, like this night the Dalmatian's going to sleep next to me and then like let the brown bear sleep in the closet or on the I floor. I have never felt like more known and affirmed and seen than I do in this moment. Oh, Mallory. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, I did that with my stuffed animals. We are getting so far afield from help. Oh, okay. So that's my advice is like, if he's a conspiracy theorist, as I am, then this is like the beginning of a horror movie and they should take his advice and get rid of the doll while they still can. But if he's like a normal, logical person, then I say just get over it and like 
let his daughter have the doll. Yeah, I mean, here's here's how I'm like reading this in between the lines, which is my wife seems to be sleeping through the night. My daughter seems to be sleeping through the night. I'm staying up staring at this doll that they both like. And there's <laughs> yeah. this sense of like, my wife is exhausted, but not willing to give any of this up. My daughter's enjoying herself. They have this connection. My wife's like knocking herself out to make my daughter happy. And I feel isolated, left out of the decision-making process. Right. And like, I'm the only person who's not enjoying the situation. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty big deal. And I, I want to like point out that like, A of all, having a newborn is always rough, even on like a great relationship. So, you know, be a little gentle on both of you, like, especially with your first kid, of course, there's going to be like a desire to be super mom. Um, and and think through like, what's really bothering you, right? Like, if it's the co-sleeping, Mm-hmm. And your wife is like co-sleeping forever. I want her to sleep with us until she goes to college. And you're like, I'm over it. I want her to sleep in her own room. Like, then you need to like tell her and and not not in the sense of like, babe, I need to set a limit. It's time to draw the line because this is, I think, the first conversation you're having about it. Um, but to to say like, this is not working for me. I'm unhappy. And I, I also want to like affirm our commitment to each other. And I also like, you got to ask yourself, you know, is your... Is your wife taking on all these projects because you're kind of like checked out around the house? Like, and maybe she's crowding you out. I, I I don't pretend to know your situation, but ask like, am I doing nearly as much for our daughter as she is? And mm-hmm. is part of her driving herself to exhaustion because she feels like if she doesn't do it, I won't care enough about our daughter to like do that. So like there might be ways in which she needs to like bring it down a little. Like it's probably okay mm-hmm. to, uh, yeah, like touch a toy that came from a store. Yeah. Um, and it's also uh, okay for her to say, like, I really feel strongly about our daughter eating organic food. And you can just be like, fine. Like, great. Yeah. Let's do it. That's true. Um, but yeah, yeah, figure out what's not working and then talk to your wife. And you say, like, you can't even gently mention anything critical to her. That sucks. Um, but I can tell you the worst response you could have to that is never say anything critical to her mm-hmm. and then stay up sleepless night after sleepless night and get resentful um, because that's when shit really hits the fan. And yeah. so, like, have this conversation out of the house. Have it when you're not, like, sleep deprived. Maybe get somebody to look after your baby for a couple of hours and just say, like, Like these things are hard for me and I've been scared to talk to you about it because I feel like I'm afraid of your reaction. And Mm -hmm. like if she has a tough time, like let her have an emotional response. Let her tell her how you feel and like just say like I want to be a team. My goal is for the two of us to feel united, not divided by our kid. Um, Obviously, that's going to be hard because children are just like designed to tear couples apart. It sounds like. um, And but yeah, like you have to, because if you don't say something gently critical to her now, you will pull away. And in the future, you will feel like you don't know your own wife or you will say something incredibly, incredibly like hurtful because you've driven yourself to a point where you're like, I can't do this another second. And I don't want that for you. Okay. Yeah, that's so much better advice than mine, which is like... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I like the idea of pretending that it's haunted. Yeah. And we don't know that it isn't, again, Mallory. Well, you, no. Again, I, I actually want to say, like, all of these letter writers may be haunted. <laughs> like, a ghost could absolutely be behind all of these situations. Also, uh, if you are tempted to secretly throw away the doll and pretend it got lost, please don't do that. That's not going to end well. You don't think so? No, I feel like Every advice columnist has to figure out, are you the kind of advice columnist who occasionally advocates little white lies or like for the greater good, getting rid of something? Or are you the kind that's like, no, hard line, total disclosure, total honesty? And 
I didn't think I realized this about myself, but I, I think I fall a little closer to the total disclosure, everyone has a right to know side of things, which is too bad. I wish I was more chill. I wish I was a little more like, look, life's all about compromise. It's a slow slide to the grave. And honesty is impossible. Just do what you got to do to make it through the day. Let's tackle the last voicemail of the day. Um, we can mm-hmm. end on a slightly lighter note. Uh, this is this is great, actually. I'm really excited to listen to this one. Hey, Prudence. I am um, wondering about dinnertime conversation with my husband. He loses his appetite really easily if there's any kind of um, difficult subject or gross subject that comes up. And this kind of came to a head the other day because um, we don't see each other very often. I uh, I work nine to five and he works um, five to two eleven o'clock. And so I make him a really late dinner and then go to bed. And so the only time we get to really see each other is when he's eating dinner at eleven o'clock at night. And a few days ago, I mentioned the um, the Mensa's product that has just come out and how ridiculous it was. And he got so angry at me for bringing up this product for the, the, whatchamacallit, the, the, the glue for your vagina. And he got really mad. And I don't think he should have gotten mad. Um, but I know that he doesn't like hearing about like bodily fluids or anything when he's eating. Is it something that I need to stop talking about if there's a current issue and it's potentially gross when he's eating how can i how can i have a conversation with him about current events um and remember to not bring up something that could potentially be gross so ben i looked up vaginal glue as the Uh, result of this voicemail and it sounds like you did not so you are i did not still like tabula rasa when it comes to vaginal glue um, I yeah I I am a clean slate when yeah. it comes to vaginal glue. So I it is a it is allegedly a product that was created uh, by a chiropractor named Daniel Dops. Um, to me, it reads like a you know a relatively on its face joke or troll, um, but mm-hmm. people at present are discussing it as if it may be an actual product. Um, it, it is basically a glue stick uh, for a vagina. So you, the idea is to glue your vagina shut while you are menstruating, um, no. uh, you know, uh, ridding yourself of the need for pads or tampons or a diva cup. Um, he claims that there is some way to dissolve the glue at the end of the day uh, and thereby release all the sort of like a built up menstrual fluid. Um, and then you can like later reapply uh he like I just want to read a little bit by the way of the sort of Facebook post he made about it um, oh my God. and it's just as follows yes I am a man and you as a woman should have come up with a better solution than diapers and plugs but you didn't reason being women are focused on and distracted by your period 25% of the time making them far less productive than they could be women tend to be more creative than men but their period that stifles them and plays with their head uh where else? Uh, when men see seals in the blood and fluids, they are sterile as long as they are inside the body, and all the grossness is from the leakage into undergarments, the drying effects of air, and the bacteria contamination that comes along with inserting tampon, plugs, and pads. 
my dream is to have women free of the distractions, the psychological issues that goes along with their periods and see that they develop. So, like, just to be clear, this is not a case of, like, this woman is, like, occasionally discussing, like, straightforward menstrual products and, and her husband is doing that sort of, like, oh, gross, periods that, that sometimes people do. Um, this is, like, a pretty out-there goof. Um, yeah, I and, agree with your assessment that this is a troll. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, or a, or a, a grad school art project that went... Concept art project that yeah, went horribly yeah, this wrong is and viral. Art. Yeah, um, this is totally performance. But art. I, I kind of loved, by the way, the the caller at the end was like, "How am I supposed to talk about current events if he's so sensitive?" That. As if like the menses is this, like very important issue we're all discussing at the dinner pa- table, and it's really unreasonable of her husband to demand that she lay off. Like, right? Everyone around the studios keeps talking about these menses. Yeah. Yeah, it's like no, I can't go anywhere without hearing about these menses. I, I'm I'm kind of on your husband's side. Like, that's pretty gross. Like, I think it's funny. Like, I'd enjoy talking about it, but some people get made mm-hmm. easily nauseous. And I think hearing like some whacked out chiropractor talk about like pretty nonsensical, medically inaccurate descriptions of fluids and plugs um, is, is sort of gross. And uh, you right. only get to see your husband at dinner, and it's a pretty reasonable request. Um, and then the, and the it, description of the it, vaginal glue is pretty gross. Like, I'm just I'm, yeah. I'm willing to go there. I think that guy was being kind of gross. Like, I, I understand why your husband was like, can we not talk about this weirdo? Totally. Uh, and also, as <laughs> am I allowed to talk about current events? I don't. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that assessment that this there's plenty of other things to talk about. I got to be me, man. And, I got to be me. Don't stifle me, man. Right. <laughs> You're like the vaginal also, glue for my mouth. Oh, my God. I'm so Mallory. sorry. I'm so sorry. But I just imagined the, the caller kind of going there. Yeah. But also, it, it seems like as the caller is describing this, that this is not the first instance of bringing up something that her husband has found unpalatable during his dinner, which is at 11 p.m. on a very tough work schedule and seems like, I don't know, at least in my opinion, a very sacred time to like enjoy eating food with your significant other. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know how else to say, but yeah, there's just plenty of other things to talk about. Yeah. I, and I think that your husband's request of like, hey, don't bring up poop while I'm eating lasagna. I think that that's within reason. Yeah. And so, of course, like I'm kind of curious because, you know, the the caller definitely sounded put upon and i feel like there there may be something else going on here i don't know exactly what it is but it certainly sounds like this this caller feels stifled and put upon and i'm curious Mm -hmm. like if there's something else going on maybe with your guys's opposing work schedules maybe you resent being the one who makes dinner every night i don't know what else is going on but it, it seems like your husband's made a fairly reasonable request and your response is like well then can i talk about anything uh, and it's like, yeah, right. you can. So is there something else going on here? Are you do you resent your husband for something else? Are you frustrated with the work schedules? Do you feel like he often doesn't think things are funny that you think are funny and you kind of resent his sense of humor because you wish he understood you better? Like, yeah, I, I think his request is reasonable and you should try to accommodate it. And I think you should ask yourself, is there something else you're mad about here? Um, and if so, what is it? And how could you bring it up with your husband without the sort of deflection of vaginal glue right which and I'm, yeah and i think your assessment of uh 
that there's probably something going on with the senses of humor and the, the the nature of interest and inquiry into the world around us that's not quite lining up with the caller's husband that I think is uh, – that's worth talking about. That's yeah. worth getting into. And it's totally fine if it's not – if it doesn't completely match up. I mean that that's uh, something – I've learned from having longtime partnerships is that that it's totally okay if you don't have the same sense of humor. But there are sometimes pressure points where that comes up, and yeah, it's a it's a way of dealing fairly and uh, without feeling like the other person's telling you to shut up. So, yeah, I think we've kind of addressed that as best we can. Uh, I just want to point out I've been sort of clicking around on the Menzies website. Um, while we've been having this conversation. And some further evidence that this is, again, somebody making some jokes is uh, if you go to the contact section of the website, it says our products are still in development and will be available soon. Ask your favorite retailer Mm -hmm. to stock Menzies. Um, So there's no way to buy them. uh, But this guy does want us to like wander into a Walgreens and be like, do you guys sell vaginal lipstick yet? Uh, And and that's a totally different product. (laughs) Uh, that's what he's that's what he calls it. He says it's vaginal vaginal lipstick. lipstick? If, if you don't oh. mind, I'd love to read actually a little bit of the description from the website. Um, OK, great. which is Let's... as follows. Menses is a new patented idea. Idea is in all caps and with three exclamation points. Uh, a natural approach to feminine health. Menses is a proprietary combination of amino acids and natural oils in a lipstick applicator. It is not mm. a glue. The labia minora are normally attracted to each other and they stick together a little bit. When applied, menses only enhances that attraction and creates a temporary seal strong enough to retain menstrual fluids inside in the same location that a tampon would. The seal washes away with soap or urine and everything empties into the toilet or shower. Dry off and reapply menses feminine lipstick. Done. Safe and secure. No touch, no leaks. Better for the environment. No surprises at the worst time. Menses and the labia form a perfect seal such that there is no sensation of stretching or pulling with normal activity. You can compare it to chewing with your mouth closed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, leaving aside the fact that chiropractors don't have to go to medical school, I think uh, you would still have enough of a sense of working knowledge of the human anatomy that you would know that urine does not come out through the vagina and therefore would not be able to um, dissolve the seal on your labia minora. Um, this right. is. This I is also like good... it that, there, that that part of the product hasn't quite been fully developed yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the. We can get the lips closed, but eh, it's kind of up to you how you... Yeah, you're, you, it's going to be, you know, you make the call how you're going to dissolve this yell. From haunted dolls to vaginal glue, this certainly was an episode of The Dear Prudence Show, and you certainly listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Thanks for listening to this special Greatest Hits episode of Dear Prudence. It was essentially an Eagles reunion tour. Today you heard from Lindy West, Bim Adewunmi, Jamie Schuler, Jasmine Sanders, and Ben Gullard. We'll be back with new questions and new answers next week. Our producer is Audrey Dilling. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash dearprudence to subscribe. If you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401 401- 371 dear that's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location, and at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short, 30 seconds, a minute tops. 